We are very late. Okay, unlock the door. Shabbos Pash Kisavoy. Funny, very late. Kisavoy. Chai El. And this week, today, actually, is the test of El. So the Parsha we talk about, Kisavai, which always comes out in the month of El. And the dates, the auspicious dates which we are now in, one, Tezvav El, which is today, and Chayel, which is the Yatsim Shabbos, Abalin, and the Teva. Tezbav El is the day that was in Siasa Tevichat Mimim. The Lubavitch Yeshivas were established. The idea that the Rebbe Rashab looked for in a yeshiva, making it novel to any other yeshivas that were in existence at the time, was the mixture of Nigla and Hasidus, of the learning of Taylor, the different parts of Taylor, the esoteric part of the Taylor, as well as the Regular. So aside for Halacha and Gemara, the Rebbe Rashab asked that it be introduced into the regular curriculum of his Talmidim, the study of Hasidus, the esoterical part of Torah. This obviously was novel. This was a new concept to the world. Chassidus until now had been studied as we're going to discuss when we talk about Chayel but the actual instituting of Chassidus in a curriculum only started when Teim was established to be accepted in Teim there were many different criteria that a boy had to go through that a Talmud had to be put through almost called subjected to. The student of the yeshiva, Tzayim Chetzimim, was referred to as a Tomim. Tomim Tiyem Hashem Alekecho here the boy was called a Tamim and his Tamimistik, his Tamimist kite. On Simchasteira, Tafre Samachalif, 1900, the Rebbe said in the Sicha, 
Kolayetzi the Mechemes Beis David, all those that go out to the battle, the battlefield for the war, the battles of Beis David, the house of David. Had to write a get to his wife. Had to give his wife a bill of divorce because he now went out to war to battle on the for the cause which is so important and so severe that the person literally had to divorce anything else in the physical world. And of course, the Rebbe says, when he refers to base David, he refers to the time of coming of Mashiach. In order for us to bring the revelation of Mashiach closer, and to actually make it a reality, the Rebbe Rashab directed us that we should all become, sign up as members of the army of Beis David. And just as the soldier deprives himself of any kind of pleasures, any kind of worldly matters, so too the Tamim, the student in Yeshiva, has to devote himself totally to Teda and leave everything else aside. And they said that the Tamimim, though, would be on the forefront of the battle. They will lead the battle by spreading Chsidus and Teda. This is now the turbulent times of the world where the Tsar was being overthrown. And although there were so many other things to be concerned with, but the terror and the stress and pressures of communism were now put to a side. When the Rebbe Rashab heard that he was indeed overthrown, he said, now we have to open the yeshiva tamechatimimim, every city, to combat the terrible darkness with Mesiris Nefesh, with abnegation. Because Mesiris Nefesh is what wins the war. And indeed, when Tamechatimim was established, the Bach and the Tamimim, the Talmidim Yeshiva at the time, went through great, great Mesiris Nefesh, and they kept the Mesiris Nefesh to be able to keep up everything that the Rebbe wanted them to follow up with. This is Tes Vov El, which is today's date. Today is the 15th. The 15th, we spoke many times also, the 15th of the month, has also another very special connotation. The Jews go according to the lunar calendar. And the Jews are compared to the moon. Interestingly, the Jews are compared to a lot of things. The Jews are compared to the stars in the sky, and they also compared to the sun, and to the sand on the beach. 
what is the difference when the Jews are compared to this or to that? The sand on the beach is always together. They both have on un- un- Okay, where's Nat? Yeah. Well, we need a number that we can't count. What would we say? How would we say it? Infinite? Mm-hmm. They both have infinite numbers. Can't count the stars. Can't count the sand on the beach. But, when they refer to the Jews as the sand on the beach, we're referring to a united nation. To a nation that's all one, that is together, as the sand comes all together. When they refer to the stars in the heaven, we won't say. Hand gesture would suffice. And this too, therefore, but the different comparisons which the Jewish life is at, Jews are compared to the Levana, to the moon. And since on Tesvav Lachedish, the Zaya tells us is Siarabash the Musa, the moon is full, is complete. And although this week was a little difficult to see the moon in Gansen, and if you try to be ultra religious and you said to yourself, I'm not gonna do Kirish Dhavana last week, because after all it's a summer, it's not winter. I'm gonna do Kirish Dhavana Matzah Shabbos. You know, it says Matzah Shabbos Adif. It's better Matzah Shabbos because we're in Shabbos clothes, etc. He paid the price. Because there was no moon. Sunday night, we had a miracle. With all the raining and the clouds and everything else. All the rain and the winds, Baruch Hashem, brought us outside. What brought us outside? A tree on our block is not as strong as it should be and it decided yeah. to give off a branch yeah. quite a large branch at that and unfortunately there was a victim a car yeah. that was victimized by this branch so the tree's branch this tree's branch then brought everybody outside and as we were standing outside to come pay our respects to the guy's window the back windshield of his car No. That was like a cloud started moving. They were moving from the storm. And all of a sudden, the moon peaked out. I'm not Shabbos. A few of our neighbors were standing together waiting for a moon. We all made up that when the moon does appear, if any one of us sees it, we should notify the other. This is called Amech Kulam Tzadikim, or rather Mika Amchak Yisrael, who is like the Jewish nation. For almost a trivial, it's not trivial at all, but a mitzvah, so that nobody should forego a mitzvah, nobody should miss out on a mitzvah, Everyone is so concerned about everybody else. 
And Chaydesh El is the exact month that we need to do this. Chaydesh El is the month which a person has to find himself. And the moon started to peek out, so he grabbed Sidurim. And one of the other neighbors was outside, we screamed, quick, quick, and we started giving out Sidurim. And we stopped people on the street as people were walking by. Did you do Kirishavani yet? They said, no. So wait here, wait here. We gave him a Sidurim. They waited a few minutes, and a few say whatever it was. And the moon again came out, enough for the bracha. And Baruch Hashem, this branch was Mazaka, many people to do Kirishavani on Sunday night. So, the Jewish nation is compared to Levana. The moon is full, is complete. And the idea of the comparison to the Levana is because the Levana shows us exactly how the Jewish nation lives. The Jewish nation starts off very, very timidly, very small, and almost non-existent, like the Levana. And each day it grows and it grows until it comes to Tezvav Lachedesh, where it reaches its peak, the zenith, and it is full night, a full moon. As the Yidin that come to full power, as we know that in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, the Jews ruled the world. Shleimah Melech ruled the entire world. One of the na- one of the reasons that the, the translations to his name Shleima was the concept of Shleimus of complete. And he was complete that in the entire world peace reigned and everybody accepted the reign of Shleim HaMelech as the world's king so much so that if a person a non-Jew as he spoke recently committed a sin against the Jews for example eating a carbon Pesach where a Jew is not allowed to eat a non-Jew is not allowed to partake of if a non-Jew would do such a thing the non-Jew is put to death and the jurisdiction of Bezin, the jurisdiction of Sanhedrin, had the power to actually do that. And this is therefore, when we say, Musa, the moon is at full point, is the lesson to us telling us that this is called now the complete cycle, a complete cycle which we have to strive to achieve a complete cycle which we have to devote ourselves to see to that we can reach to this level and when we say to ourselves just like the Levana is not missing anything so too nothing should be missing by us Chedesh El is again the perfect month for just that because Chedesh El is the month that we prepare ourselves for the new year we prepare ourselves for all the blessings and we pray for all the blessings that are going to be bestowed upon us and which we're going to be inscribed in the new year. Chai El, the 18th day of El, which is this Shabbos, 
which we'll soon discuss, has another shlav to it, another someone translate shlav level it's not a level stage stage <laughs> no? stage doesn't make more than a level? Madrega Madrega would be level Love is like, uh, let's say, it's a stage. It's another stage. stage. You enter into another stage of life, another shlav. Chapter? No, chapter is not. Perik, or perik. What shlav? So far we'll take stage for the uh, the winning uh, translation, and if Matt would be here, he would give us something above it all. Um... <laughs> We enter the winter Anushlav of Tish of El. In the beginning of the month we know the whole concept of Melech Basada. We know throughout the month of El we have to do Chuva. We spoke last week the, the letters of El Aloy Loi. Not to him a person has to deprive themselves of certain worldly matters and pleasures during the month of El. From Chai El there are twelve days till the end of the month. Twelve days to Rosh Hashanah. Each day then represents the past year. For every day, we do tshuva for one month. So on Chai El, in essence, would be the holiest of the twelve days, because we're doing tshuva for last Tishrei. So on Chai El, we sit down and we have to meditate and contemplate. And do soul searching within ourselves to know and to go and to scrutinize what we did last year Tishrei day by day and throughout the 24 hour period of Chayel we repent we do tshuva for everything that happened last Tishrei on your test we do tshuva for last Cheshvan and so we go on and on and on in essence then, Arab Rosh Hashanah would be the culmination of the entire month. Not just that it's the last day of Elul, but it's the day in which we're going to do Shiva for the entire month. Now since the mind frame of the entire month was Shiva, so when you say, I did something wrong I did something missing I caused something lacking on the, this month the particular month that I'm doing tshuva for El would be an oxymoron to even think about it how could I have possibly done anything that's not 100% in the month of El that's the entire month that I've been thinking of tshuva and preparation for for the new year however the same would come about when it comes to Chayel, which is Tshuva for last Tishrei. On Tishrei I sinned. On Rosh Hashanah I sat in Shul. I heard the Shofar, I heard the Torah, I heard... I said the davening. On Yom Kippur I said the davening. I fasted. Sukkot I took to Lulav, that throat. Tishrei. What else do I do Tishrei if not mitzvahs? Surrounded by mitzvahs throughout the month. 
And that's when the person has to really think. Levi Yitzhak Vaditchev was known as the lawyer of the Jewish nation. When Levi Yitzhak Vaditchev got married, needless to say, his father-in-law was very proud of him. But his father-in-law was not a chassid. And at the time, as a matter of fact, his father-in-law was from the people that despised chassidim. And the father-in-law, but being proud of his Levitzah, his Edim, his son-in-law, secured him a very interesting position in shul, and that was to lead slichot, to lead the slichas of Matzah Shabbos. The first slichas by the Ashkenazim, which is Saturday night, prior to before Rosh Hashanah. And the entire shul is standing and waiting in awe as Levitzah's young man steps up to the bima, takes out the talus, and puts on the talus, and they're just awaiting that moment for him to start ashtray. And they wait another minute, a second and a third minute. And he's not starting. And finally he says, you know what? He says, you know what? You're so smart. And you daven so nicely. Boy, well, you're making us claustrophobic here already. <laughs> that was scary. I was getting claustrophobic by that door not being able to open so easily. <laughs> yes. Hi, Isaac. So he says, you're so smart, and you daven so beautifully, you daven. And he took off his talus, and he put back on his hat, and he sat down with the crowd. The place was, in, was struck. And his poor father-in-law was embarrassed, he didn't know where to bury himself. So the only place he could find to bury himself, he ran up, he grabbed the talit, threw it over his head, mm-hmm. and he said, Ashrei, and he did the lettuce after everybody left, the father walked over to the Yitzchak Baditchin and sat down next to him. He's the only one in Shul. And didn't even have to ask. The Yitzchak Baditchin understood what he wanted. He said, I'll explain to you what happened. I came up onto the Bima. Someone passed Isaac a I came up onto the Bima and I was about to start. And I heard the voice. The voice that I thought I'd long gotten rid of. The voice of the Eight Sahara. That I thought long I finished off with. And the Eight Sahara asked me. Uh, game's over? Eight <laughs> Sahara asked me. He says, Who do you think you are? Why do you think you could leave the service here? You're such a big Talmud Chacham. I sat by you side by side. I know what we learned. Excuse me. He says, you know how to daven? You're any kind of level of spirituality? I know where you really are. I know who you really think. I know. And he says, what about my learning? I learned the Shema. I learned for the name, for the sanctity of the Torah. I learn with you every single blot, blot by blot, page by page, word for word. I know who you really are. 
I know what you're worth. And I finally, I couldn't take any more from the Yitzharan. I told him, you know what? You daven so nice and you're such a good Talmud Chacham. You say slichus. And that's why I stepped down. I left my Yitzharan in the Bible. So when the person is preparing himself for slichus, and the person is preparing himself for the Rashana, for the new year, it's an incredible fe- feast. It's an incredible task that the person is undertaking. But it culminates. Where does it culminate? It culminates in Rosh Hashanah. I spend the whole month of El repenting, preparing myself, changing my ways, rethinking my thoughts, curving my tongue, trying to avoid having to say Rosh Hashanah or anything bad. Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to falter? On Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to let it go? There's a couple once. Very wealthy. Very wealthy, and they were so wealthy that they were religious. They did what they had to. Davenies, the shuls, they did what they had to. Kosher. Kosher, kosher. But they also felt that they were above the law now. Because not only do they have money and they can buy anything they want, they're also religious. So how good do we really have to be? How much do we really have to work on our spirituality? There was one chassid of the Alter Rebbe, Shmuel Munkis. Shmuel Munkis was a very, very, very... We won't call him holy, because chassidim don't refer to chassidim as holy. They refer only to a Rebbe as holy. On the road, though, on the street, on the outside, anyone would have considered this fellow holy. And there were many different stories and incidents of Shmuel Munkis' holiness, where he was laughing once where they shouldn't have been according to somebody... And then ultimately the person was walking with the Al-Tarebbe. The Al-Tarebbe showed him a person lying on the sand and having having ants. I didn't want to use the example. Ants crawling all over him and biting him. And the guy says, what a, what a special soul this person must have to be able to subject himself to this pain so that he should not have any pleasure of the physical world. Dr. pointed out, a few minutes ago you were talking about him in a different vein. Shmuel Munkis once hung himself by his feet outside the Rebbe's office. Someone asked him, Shmuel, what are you doing? He said, it's very simple. I was in town. And in the town I saw a watchmaker and the watchmaker had watches in his window. And then I saw a shoemaker. And he had leather pieces and shoes in his window. So everybody that has a, a craft <laughs> displays their wares in front. By a Rebbe, a chosin has to hang. So I hung myself up as the advertisement outside the Rebbe. <laughs> this is the wares of the Rebbe. This is an example of Shmuel Munkis. 
Tzvumukah society is going to teach this couple that a cheretz. He put on his Shabbos best. It was obviously his Shabbos best because it was Matzah Shabbos. He's going to Slichas. And he garbed his Shabbos best and he traveled to these people's town. And it was an hour before Slichas. And he came to the house, he knocks on the door. I'm very tired. I said, Why? Won't you let me rest a little bit? And they were very stingy as well. But such a person, such a personality coming to visit. They said, yes, please, come in, join us. And they gave him a beautiful room to rest. And he went inside, and he closed the door. He never touched the bed, because he's preparing for slichas. But as far as they were concerned, he lied down. Ten minutes before slichas, he's not coming out. So they start tapping on the door. He said, what? Slichas? I'm sleeping. You tap a little further. But it's Slichas. You're going to miss it. I'm sleeping. <laughs> Finally, it's already two minutes to Slichas. The fellow's going to miss it. They're banging on the door. He opens the door and he speaks his head out. What? You're not going to go to Slichas. What Slichas? What Slichas? You fool. You, you, you deceiver. You, you con artist. You... You came here and you dis- you depicted yourself as a Talmud Chacham and as a righteous person and everything else and you don't even know what Slichas is? How dare you do this to us? How dare you humiliate us? Spot Slichas. Finally the wife stops berating him and the husband starts. So he asks the husband, he says, you know what? Stop the berating. Tell me already. What Slichas? So what do you mean? The New Year is coming. Got to make sure that the livestock is healthy. They produce good milk. We get good eggs. We get. It's a New Year. And the wife is standing there. Uh huh. Uh huh. And he looks at them and he says, "Fair. That's what you're praying for: eggs and milk for this physical, mundane world. That's called slichas. That's called praying." You don't have enough money yet? Look at your house, look at your luxury. That's what you call praying? And they realized the lesson that he ultimately came here to teach them. What it is and how it is that we have to pray. It's very, very, very difficult to do that. To reach, to ascertain such a level where I come to shul on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. I don't say, God, will you please inscribe me in the book of Parnassah Please inscribe me in the book where I can put some food on my table. Where I can pay my bills. <laughs> I said this a million times. When I bought a lottery ticket once, the guy says, Rabbi, it's $162 million. What are you going to do with all that money? I said, what do you mean all that money? I'll, I'll pay my debts. <laughs> yeah, and what about the rest? I said, don't wait. Um... <laughs> So how can a person that comes to Rosh Hashanah and Kippur with debt to the kazoo, as we say in America, and then a president that we have, knowing that there's the only <laughs> there's no light at the end of the tunnel, we have a black president at the end, and it's it's just nothing. Black president with brown eyes. It's on the internet, but at the end of the day, what is it that prevents us? 
from standing in shul and even shedding a tear for panasa, for money, for mundane physical world. Very difficult to reach this level where we come to shul and say, God, please help me reach a higher level of my spirituality. God Almighty, please help me achieve another stage in my life that I can now move ahead, I can forge ahead, that I can now do something when I daven, I can feel my prayer. When I get tzedakah, I should feel the mitzvah I'm doing it. When I put on tefillin, I should feel connected. The story of the Alter Rebbe in prison. When the fellow walked into prison and saw the Alter Rebbe wearing his tefillin, the Jewish fellow, and he started to tremble, he ran out of the room. And he asked the Alter Rebbe afterwards, what was that? The Alter Rebbe says, it says in the Torah, the entire world will see the name of God called on you. And by seeing that, that's the Tfilin Sharaish. It's not Tfilin Sheberaish. Not Tfilin that goes on the head. It's Tfilin Shelraish. Tfilin that's in your head. When you wear your Tfilin, he told the guy, he says, you don't have your Tfilin in you. You have your Tfilin on you. And that's why you can talk during wearing tefillin. And that's why you can do so many different mundane things and have so many different mundane thoughts because you're not one with your tefillin when you're wearing them. Truth, let's get honest. You wear your tefillin in the morning, if you daven the entire davening in tefillin, 35 minutes, 40 minutes sometimes, 20 minutes for those who email the, the davening in 5 minutes. But that duration of time if I had three minutes that I felt totally connected with God while I was wearing the film, it'd be magnificent. We are running late. I didn't even mention what the Pasha is practicing. The Kisove, a lot of Kisove is the letters of us, our forefathers. How can a person come El Ha'aretz to land? What does land? Land signifies stabilization. A person stabilizes when they come to land. As long as they're in sea, as long as they're in the air, you don't have the old American adage, two feet on the ground. You want to get your feet on the ground. Some things and some issues and some concepts and some stories, you want to wet your feet. It's also an adage, it's also an expression. I just want to wet my feet to this subject. I want to touch surface. I want to scrape the surface on this idea, on this thought, on this concept. Ezra's here? No. Because he's not permitted. Oh, so we'll have to get another question. Right. And the end of the day, though, what a person wants to have is both feet on the ground. A person doesn't want to be floating person doesn't want to be in limbo. And this is therefore Kisavai El Ha'aretz. And although that the Pasha has in it and its infamousy is infamous. It's infamous for infamous. No. It's not infamous. It's, it's a different word which says it making it it's a derogatory phrase actually. Right that I'm looking for. Um, 
It's infamous. Okay. The parsha is infamous in that it has the curses. And the curses are so to such an extent, the story is told, the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, whose birthdays are Chayel, and I haven't touched Chayel either, not the birthday of the Alter Rebbe, the Mashem Tov. The Alter Rebbe used to be the Balkari in Shul. He used to be the Torah in Shul. One year, his son, the Mitla Rebbe, before Bar Mitzvah, the father was away from town, and someone else had to read the Torah. And when the person read it, the Mitra fell ill. He fell sick. So sick was he that on Yom Kippur, they didn't know if he'd be allowed to fast. He couldn't recuperate for that long. And they asked him, is this the first time you're hearing this reading? He says, no. He says, why do you never faint before? Why now do you faint? Because when my father read it, I never heard a curse. I only heard blessings. So the idea of taking the, ble- the words and turning them into blessings, and there's a beautiful way, I'm not going to go into now because I haven't got the time, a posseg amongst the Teichacha, that if you read it one way, it sounds like a horrific, horrific curse, but if you read the posseg literally backwards, it's a beautiful bracha. If anyone's interested, you can email me and I will send you the posseg. Erev Rosh Hashanah. It's customary for a person to take a haircut, to wash up properly, touch nails. Mini Gisrael, Arab Rosh Hashanah, you're snapping the thing. He's going to the mikveh and going to the cemetery, going to the cave at Sadiqim. There's a kunt, there's a known as kuntus Ishtatchus, which tells us. All about how one has to actually prostrate themselves in front of a cemetery by a grave. Of course, going to before one goes on Erev Rosh Hashanah to the grave of a tzaddik, one should see not to eat or drink. If a person did not go to a grave for thirty days, when you go, if you go Erev Rosh Hashanah, you should go early morning so you don't eat or drink before you go. That you, you shouldn't go when you're hungry. You don't eat a drink. Yeah. There are those that drink only. Drink. Say that ever used to drink. Some say that ever used to drink. I never sat and had a tea with the Rebbe, so I can't tell you. Uh, um, only Rosh Hashanah or any time you go to the island, you shouldn't. Any time you go to the island, you shouldn't. But uh, people that go at night would be a little difficult to do. Right. That's why I, 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 I sought to. No, that's why I sought to use that. In, to use it in that frame of saying that Erev Rosh Hashanah one should go early but one should not go then and not, I did not say it anyway let's move on because we're not going to finish what we have to one should did not go to the cemetery for 30 days one should make a bracha before looking at any matzeva this is a special bracha in the beginning of any minolashan or any other books that have to do with cemeterial visits and when a man goes in the cemetery he should not have his tits out doesn't matter if you're going to a grave of a man or a grave of a woman. Tzitzit should not be seen as embarrassment to the dead. One does not go the same day twice to the same grave. And of course, when you go out of the cemetery, one should wash their hands. The service of the day, generally, a person should try to learn Torah as much as he can. And of course, try to emphasize the mitzvah of Avis Israel. 
And it's a beautiful thing, a custom, to see to it that you add a, how would you call it, hachlata teva. Anybody for hachlata teva? Going once, going twice. Resolution, thank you. That was very, very well brought out. So at the end of my glasses, at the end of my talk, I'm not sure. They take on a, one particular resolution for the new year on Erev Rosh Hashanah that you're going to do differently in this mitzvah than you did ever before. Um, once you try to help out poor people Erev Rosh Hashanah for the, what they need for Yom Tif, I'll give you my address, send you the money. Um, someone that usually gets stuck each day should give Erev Rosh Hashanah more and they should give also extra because they're not going to be able to give the two days of Rosh Hashanah. Three days. This year, we merit to a mitzvah that we don't have all the time. Rosh Hashanah comes out on Thursday and Friday. And it cannot come out on a Wednesday, obviously, because Le'ah do Reish. And therefore, we have to discuss the mitzvah of Erev Tavshilin. Erev Tavshilin is made with a tafshil, a cooked item that one can eat, and a bread, preferably a bread, not a matzah. And this is then put together. Uh, uh, what's your name? Arye. Arye. See, it is a floating Jew out there. No, he's not a mitzvah. Unless he can materialize Ezra somewhere. I can't back again. You take together the loaf of bread and the cooked food, either a piece of fish or a piece of chicken, whatever it might be. You then have a second person take this in their hands as theirs and they hand it to you. And then you read it's brought down and it says it in the Siddur before a Shal Shigolim you read the entire process, you make the bracha we make the bracha of the mitzvah which is special bracha this is then put away and should be eaten on Shabbos afternoon. Preferably, of course, by the one that makes the Erev. If somebody forgets to make an Erev Tavshil, this is a problem that you never want to get into. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I'm not an internet sales uh, product. Once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. No. If a person forgets to make Erev Tavshilin, you're only allowed to do it once. So what happens? What is the Erev Tavshilin for? Because we're not allowed to cook on Yom Tif unless you're going to eat it on that day. Yom Tif, unlike Shabbos, you're allowed to cook for Yom Tif's meal. Shabbos, you're not allowed to cook. So when are we going to cook? Shabbos is food. So you leave it so you're very, very well stocked in your fridge and freezer and you can prepare all your food before Yom Tif. You still have to put it on a fire to stay warm for Shabbos. So, the cooking process that's going to have to take place on Friday, which is Yom Tif, cannot, is not allowed to be done unless we make this Erev Tavshil. What happens, therefore, the Rav of every city
the Rav of every city makes an Erev Tafshilun and has everybody in mind. In case someone forgot to make Erev Tafshilun, one time in your life you're allowed to rely on the Erev of the Rav. What happens the second time? The second time you have to go either eat the food cold or go to a neighbor to eat. But you cannot do it a second time. The Erev Tafshilun is a very, very severe... Huh? Yeah, neighbor don't make the food. No, and this is some. And, but you also run into a problem of adlakas neiros. For the woman to light the candle for Shabbos, the Shabbos candles, you also have that problem. She's not allowed to light a fire on Yom Tif, which is not used for Yom Tif. It's used for Shabbos. So that's another reason for the erev tafshil. Yes. Do it together. Um, like every Arab Shabbos, and Rosh Hashanah comes out in Arab Shabbos, which is not the case this year. This year, this is the second day, Rosh Hashanah is Arab Shabbos, but the lighting of the candle of Thursday night is the second night of Lighting of the candle when it light Thursday night has to be when Yom Tif is over. In other words, if candle lighting would be on Wednesday at seven o'clock, then on Thursday night it would be eight o'clock, because that has to be after the stars come out on Thursday, because it's the second day of Yom Tif. It has to be totally finished with the first day. So in between Yom Tif, you're allowed to light the candles, but not. It's something you need for Yom Tif. Okay. Those that smoke. We don't smoke on, on Rosh Hashanah, by the way. Um, those that can't live, they say to smoke it in a corner somewhere quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're going to break from Maidiv, I guess. I wanted to go into the different customs of the dipping the apple and the fruits and the shechionos I guess we will do that and we have to show them the next week